And turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 24 in the second part of this amazing chapter that's a love story. It's a beautiful picture of an arranged marriage, if you will, but is most importantly a beautiful picture of our bridegroom and us as the church, the bride of Christ. We'll pick up in verse 50. As you look at this chapter, and as I said, it, it's the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, and it seems strange that it's all about this one man, Isaac, and how he gains his wife. But more importantly, it's a typology. It's actually a similitude in a lot of ways. It's like the church as it relates to the Lord Jesus himself. Isaac being a type of Christ, we being a type of Rebecca, the promises that are made are the promises that are made to the church. And so we're going to look at all those things tonight, and we'll finish up here in chapter 24. Before we do that, let's pray and ask God to minister to us through his word. Father, it seems almost unfathomable that these words that were authored so many thousands of years ago by your Holy Spirit could so accurately portray our relationship with our bridegroom Jesus, but it does. And we pray that you'd help us to lay hold of the story for the story's sake, for the beautiful love story it is, but you'd also help us to learn exactly how hard you have searched for us, how wonderful it is that you've chosen us, and how necessary it is that we also choose to follow you. And so God, would you bless us tonight with your spirit's presence? Would you speak to us through your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 50 here in Genesis 24. And then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good or bad. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. And so you you can see that there is a resolution to the master's wishes, to the master's plan that are obeyed by the servant. And so as you go through this passage, start to look at these things, not just from the perspective of the people who are in the story, which is also important, but how they relate to you, how they relate to us, how they relate to the church, and most importantly, our relationship with God's Son who has chosen us, and yet we had to choose him. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself down to the earth. And then the servant brought out jewelry of silver and jewelry of gold and clothing, and he gave them to Rebekah. Isn't it amazing how the Lord has blessed us with all heavenly riches in Christ Jesus? That they're more precious than silver, than gold. And he also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother, to the family. 
And then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night, and they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten, and after that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away so that I may go to my master. And we saw this in this morning's passage. There's a divine timeline that all things according to the Lord are on. There's a perfect time and a perfect place. There's a perfect window of opportunity. God has an exacting plan for every last person's life, for everything. There are no, no consequences no simple mistakes, no luck. God has a plan for everything. We, we sometimes think and act as if, you know, the Lord just kind of started the whole clock working and whatever happens, happens, and he just goes with it. But God actually has a plan for your life, and it's very, very detailed down to the most minute things. Even when you can't see it, even when you don't understand it, even when you don't like it. Amen? Especially when you don't like it. Because it's usually there that we're most prone to get in trouble. And so God sometimes works in ways that we don't truly appreciate until we've gotten on the other side and saw that how he worked and what he did was exactly what needed to happen, even though at the time we resisted the very thought of the things that he was doing could have possibly been from him. I want to go to my master. And so they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. And then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And you saw a picture of this if you were with us this morning. There comes a time and a place when the question is asked, And all that's left is for you to say yes. And she said, I will go. You see, your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your sister, your brother, no one can make the decision for you if you are going to go to the master or not. That's a decision every last one of you has to make on your own. Nobody can save you. Only you can make a profession of faith. And so they sent away Rebecca, her sister, her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. May your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Now remember who this is. The Jewish people recognize the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. And notice what it says. The mother of thousands, of tens of thousands. May your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. As you look at the nation Israel, who will come from Isaac, who will bear forth Jacob, 
the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, who will be the very descendants of the Jewish people who inherited the land, who live in the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now, since 1948. And they possess the gates of even those who hate them. And then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on camels and followed the man. And so the servant took Rebekah and departed. And now Isaac came from far away of Ber, Lahai Ro'ai, for he dwelt in the south. As you look at that in English, if you have a New King James, it's spelled beer. Um, it's not beer. It's bare as in the paint. Um, it, means, it means springs or wells. The wells of the one who sees. For he dwelt in the south, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. And he saw Rebekah. And then Rebekah lifted her eyes and When she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. And actually the King James is very accurate. It says she alighted from. It literally means that she jumped with light speed from her camel. In other words, she flew off the beast. Where she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. And so she took a veil and covered herself, which would have been propriety in that Eastern culture at that time. You wanted to make sure that there was no offense given, that there was no misunderstanding of her intent. And so she came as chaste as she possibly could and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. And so Isaac was comforted comforted after his mother's death. As you listen to this story and you start to put these things together in a context you can see how God has really always worked in the lives of people of faith. Sometimes we think that there was almost a different God that operated in the Old Testament. He seems to be a little bit tougher, a little bit meaner, a little more direct. He seems like he allowed a lot of things that he doesn't allow now. But the simple fact of the matter is God's giving us a lesson here on what he does and how he does it, the way he works, and how he wants us to join him in that work And the first thing that you can see in all of this is you see the willingness of the bride. The bride has to be willing. God's not going to force anyone to love him. He leaves that up to us. Rebecca could have said no. She could have just said, no, sorry, not going. I don't don't care what you brought. I don't care about the gifts. I'm not going to pay attention. And in fact, when you think about it, as Rebecca makes this decision, 
she really doesn't know a whole lot about anything. She's acting in faith. She's believing the message from the messenger. Amen? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Ultimately, it boils down in our lives that we have to believe the message. It's the role of faith. That faith, as we covered this morning, is a gift. God gives us the gift of faith that enables us to believe so that we can have eternal life. We can have God's grace applied to our lives, forgiveness of our sin. And we see that as Rebecca really is a type of the church, representing really all of us, you and I, every believer that's ever believed in the Lord Jesus. The family wants her to wait. Notice this. You ever had your family tell you, well, you'll, you'll grow out of that Jesus thing. You ever had your family say, why are you going to church? All they're interested in is money. I had that today. I had a guy, I, well, just walking around here, it's pretty clear the only thing this church cares about is money. People say a lot of things. They have a lot of reasons for why they don't want to hear the word of the Lord. I asked that person, by the way, what do you actually know about this church or anybody in it? Well, I don't have to know anything, was his answer. You're right, you don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't be saying what you're saying. You see, our relationship to the Lord is by faith. And Rebecca pictures that. Perhaps the parents wanted to spend more time with her. Maybe they wanted to invite the neighbors and throw a party. We don't really know what their motivation was. They were, of course, excited about the dowry. I mean, after all, the servant did bring some dough with them, you know, which was normal then. It's like they, they apparently were okay with that. But just as the servant wasn't going to delay in his petition, so he was not going to delay in his mission of getting back either. He spoke the truth, the truth was presented, and it was decision time. And Rebecca makes that affirmation of faith. She just simply says, I will go. She'd never seen Isaac. They didn't have Instagram. You know, there's no Facebook page. You couldn't go on. Here's my portfolio. It wasn't like he brought a whole bunch of documentation, said, you know, I've got this house and it's on this street. They didn't have streets. Their possessions were normally held as long as they defended them. There was no mortgage. There was no title to their property in that sense. The whole thing was a picture of faith, faith that you and I still need to possess to have a relationship with the master's son. In other words, in order to be married to the Lord Jesus, you have to also say, I will go. It's the role of faith in our lives, and I want to kind of blow this up a little bit for us. 
Because the main thing that sticks out to us initially in this is Rebecca doesn't know Isaac. Wouldn't If her camel ran over him, she would not know him. She could have got on the camel, started galloping, and there was Isaac in the road. Boom, he's flat as a pancake in the middle of the road. And she's like, I'm going to marry him. Well, he's back there. You ran over him. She wouldn't have known. This is a complete, total, and unadulterated step of faith on her part. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it begins this way. In this you greatly rejoice... Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. The family was experiencing a trial. They were losing a daughter. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. You know, gold lasts a long time. There's a museum in Bogota. It's actually the Museo de Oro. It's the Museum of Gold. And in it, there's all kinds of pre-Columbian, Aztec, Incan gold. It lasts a long time. You've ever seen the King Tut exhibit? Gold lasts a long time, but gold is of this earth, and even gold doesn't last forever. Gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, that's the only way that you can actually tell gold from fool's gold is really with fire. They kind of look the same at times. But gold will melt. It'll be refined. It'll have a surface that's absolutely brilliant. Anything else, though, it looks like gold, it'll come out bronze or silver or something else. Whatever is not gold, you'll be able to tell if it's tested by fire. May be found to the praise, the honor, and the glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. It's a New Testament principle found here in the very first third of the book of Genesis. Though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. All that had happened in in Rebecca's life is she'd heard about him. That's it. A simple presentation was made. Many today received that simple presentation of the good news of the gospel and received it with gladness. That's what happened. Pastor Jeff didn't save anyone today. Jesus Christ Saved men's souls, ladies' souls today. The simple preaching of the good news that the bridegroom loves them was sufficient for them to say, I'm in. It's always been that way. It still remains that way. You know, every once in a while I I get one of those emails that you kind of scratch your head and you're like, I'm pretty sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. And every once in a while I'll get one, well, you preach the gospel too much. And honestly, I don't actually know how to respond to those. Because in one hand, it's like the most extreme compliment you can give me. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's like, yay! On the other hand, you're you're knowing that they're trying to insult you. And and you kind of want to, Say, well, what would you have me do kind of thing? 
And so you would be surprised at the responses I get if I say something, well, what would you think we should do here in church? And some of the things that I get told are, are pretty interesting. Like I should talk more about psychology and I should give more self-help advice. And I, I think things like, I don't say these kind of things, but I do thank them. You don't want my self-help. It didn't work on me. Why would it work on you? (laughs) Look, it's the truth of the gospel that saves souls. It's the good news. It's really the only thing we have to share. Now, the beauty of it is it's all wrapped up in this marvelous book that we call the Word of God that has all kinds of subtleties in it that we can share that helps people settle some of those other things while presenting the gospel, just like this passage does. But it's the gospel that saves. And you're going to find that the gospel is preached from Genesis to Revelation without fail, without compromise, and without there being any other way, save the one way, knowing the Son and being wed to him as the bride of Christ. You think about some of the things that was going on here and what was happening in in Rebecca's life in this role of faith. You can see God's sovereign plans at work over and over in this. And you can see that there's a, a clear timeline that's laid out here. There were no doubt all kinds of you know, arguments the family could have given. You know, you know how far it is to where he lives. I mean, it's 500 miles. It's a long ways. You'll never see your family again. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people will say to you to try and prevent you from taking a step of faith. You want to make sure and take that step of faith while you have an opportunity. Because it doesn't last indefinitely. That's why Hebrews chapter 3 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, speaking of the children of Israel, as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. I was angry with that generation because they always go astray in their hearts. I swore in my wrath to them that they would not enter my rest. Not making that decision also has its consequences. You can. God's not going to force you. Rebecca did not have, you know, a bow and arrow held to her head. Nobody was there with the sword. You got to come with us right now. Will you go with this? Yes, I will go. It's that simple. God's family's always been like that. That's why Jesus simply said, the way you know. Remember the disciples in John chapter 14? We don't know where you're going, God. Yeah, but the way you know. You know me, I am the way and the truth and the life. Beautiful picture, what's going on here? The second Corinthians remind us there in chapter six that behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. 
draw near to the Lord while you can, while it's still day. Because that word goes out and it goes out. And you know, every time you reject the truth, have you ever thought in this passage, for those of you that have read it before and studied it before, have you ever thought what would have happened had Rebecca rejected the master's servant? Maybe he would have come back again. Maybe. Maybe he would have come back one time. Maybe he would have gone, you know, a hill or two over and waited and come back and presented it maybe another time. But I can tell you what wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have been endless year after year, decade after decade. The decision would have been sealed because the master would have said, I'm not waiting any longer for a bride for my son. The time to make that decision has already passed. I'm withdrawing the offer. And the same is true for us as believers. There was a time when the gospel was preached to each of you that know the Lord that are here tonight. There was a time for me. Mine happened in 1968. The gospel was preached and I said, I will go. Probably many, if not most, if not all, who are here tonight that love the Lord, you remember when you made that choice to say yes to the king. It's that same picture that we saw there when we were studying the book of Acts in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas, you remember when they're in the Philippian jail and they're singing and they're cavorting in the middle of the night and the prison doors are busted open and the Philippian jailer realizing he's a dead man I mean he's derelict of his duty the prisoners are escaping and here's Paul and Silas just sitting there in their jail cell that man didn't come down and when he asked what must I do to be saved Paul and Silas didn't say well do you understand divine election Are you familiar with the sovereign plans of God? Have you ever really understood what justification is? Do you know what propitiation means? Do you understand the whole process of sanctification and the fact that it takes your entire lifetime, that one day you'll actually be glorified in the Lord? Man, I sure hope you get all this stuff, because otherwise, you know, wow, I don't know. So he asked a simple question. He got a simple answer. What was the answer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Amen? Didn't give him a bunch of theological questions. He gave him an issue of faith. He said, believe. That's what happens here. As the servant comes and says to Rebecca, will you go? And she says, yep. I will go. It's a picture of our salvation experience. And to that end, you and I are all as she was on this return trip, which is now in view, just like Jesus is waiting right now for the church. Amen? There's a waiting of the bridegroom. 
Christmas is a beautiful picture of what's going on right now in your life and mine. In this day and time, if you had a really fast camel, you might expect 25 miles a day. If you drove them 24 hours a day, they would last three to four days and they would die, but you could cover maybe 250 miles. 50 to 60 miles is the maximum you could get out of a camel. This is about a 500 or so mile trip. So you can imagine this is going to take a while. I mean, this is a good solid, the very, very best, maybe 10 12-day trip, more than likely a month-long trip. Check this out. Rebecca's asked the question, will you go? Yes, I will go. What does she do? She has to take a long, hard, dry, dusty journey that she has no idea where she's going. She's got to take a journey of faith that's filled with trial, tribulation, and trouble. Sound like anybody else you know? She's got no clue where she's going. She's not leading the parade. She has gotten on a camel that someone else is leading. She's going to meet a man she's never actually met. And it's not going to be easy. Again, it's this beautiful picture because we're waiting for our reunion with the bridegroom. Amen? I am. I can't wait to see my King Jesus. Notice that we never actually heard that Isaac returned with his father from Mount Moriah, though it's almost certain he did. There's a picture here that the son has gone back to the father. What happened with Jesus? The son went back with the father. We weren't actually told. We don't know exactly what happened. We just know that wherever the father is, the son is also. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those that have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so even God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven With the shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Harpazo, rapturo in Latin, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus they will always, we will always be with the Lord, and therefore comfort one another with these words. Isaac wasn't living with his father at this time. He's south of Hebron. And he's identified with that work of the spirit, the water, the water of the wells, the wells of him who sees. And so there's a picture of this time of waiting and then this reunion 
that isn't exactly where they're going to live. Check this out. It's not actually all the way in heaven, and it's not all the way back to earth, because Scripture decides to give us three pictures of heaven. One is the heaven of heavens, and that's where God himself dwells with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a sidereal or a celestial heaven, which is the realm of the stars and the planets, the galaxies, what we would call space. And then there's the atmospheric heaven, which is the heavens where the birds fly and the clouds form. Interestingly enough, and when Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, he says the Lord's going to catch us up into that second heaven. Anybody know how long a human being lasts when you're in space? It's absolute zero. You're frozen and dead really fast. So you better have a glorified body when you get there. There's going to be a long, hard journey. We're going to be caught up in the heavens, but not in the heaven of heavens. Another picture of what happens in the life of Rebecca. She meets Isaac before they get all the way back to his house. Think the Lord was trying to tell the Old Testament saints something? I do. And guess what she put on? She put on a white veil. Guess what we're going to put on? A white robe. Guess where we're going to meet him? In the air. And all these things are significant. Notice that it says here in verse 63 that Isaac meets his bride in the evening. When are we going to meet the bridegroom? When things are not looking so good, when it's really dark. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this knowing the time, that the time is now high, and high time to awake out of that sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, and therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light, let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry or drunkenness or lewdness or lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. We're going to go home to be with Jesus when it's the darkest. I don't know about you, but it's getting pretty dark. Amen? I'm listening to some of the banter back and forth in the news today. It's like, man, I'm praying for our nation that this crazy insanity of hatred does not boil over into something much worse. It's a tough time. Just as a new day dawned for Rebecca, so will that new day dawn when we go to be with the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But now concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Rebecca didn't have a clue when she was actually going to see Isaac. No idea whatsoever. They were taking a journey, and when they got there, they got there. 
For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. It's labor pains of a pregnant woman. They shall not escape, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day would overtake you as a thief. And he goes on in verse 9. And of course, the picture here is the church escaping that dreadful day of the Lord, the day that's described in Revelation chapter 6 to 19, the times that we call the time of Jacob's trouble, the last battle for mankind, the battle of Armageddon in the preceding seven years, the tribulation. The point of that is God pouring out his wrath on a world that deserves his wrath. But notice what it says about the bride. For God did not appoint us, the bride, the church, believers, people who love the Lord, to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. I have no intention of being here when the tribulation starts. I know exactly where I'm going to be. I'm going to meet him in the air. I'm going to be just like Rebecca on her camel. I'm going to be almost there, and I'm going to come flying off that puppy into the air, and it's going to be, hello, Jesus. I've been waiting a long time to see you by faith. The next picture we have here is the wedding day. They finally meet. I don't know about you, but when Jesus meets his church, it's going to be crazy. Revelation 19, verse 1, And after these things I heard a loud voice and a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the whole earth, her fornication. He has avenged her blood of his servants that was shed by her, speaking that final battle where Jesus defeats Satan and sin. I can't wait for that day. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rises up forever and ever And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen and Alleluia. And a voice came from the throne saying, Praise God, all you his servants as those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters, the sound of the mighty thundering saying, Alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. And his wife, us, the church, has made herself ready. And to her was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these things are the true sayings of God. One day, you're going to fly off of your spiritual camel. You're going to meet your bridegroom in the air. And you're heading off to the wedding. Amen?
Amen. <laughs> but at that time, there's also going to be a solemn judgment seat. Romans chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 send this picture. Every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess. And the Lord's going to look and see what it was that you did, that we did, that I did to prepare for that wedding. What, what did I do to come alongside and say, Lord, thank you for selecting me out of all of the millions and billions of people that have ever walked on this earth. Lord, you gave me an opportunity to speak to tens and hundreds of thousands of people ultimately over my life. The good news of the gospel. And every word I've ever said is going to be judged by God. That's a fearful thing to think on. Why I don't take lightly message preparation. I feel sorry for pastors that do, and some do. Those things are going to be judged. We make it our aim, Paul said, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to give an account. What I did, how I did it, whether it was good or it was bad. And he's going to test my works and see if there's anything that's worthy of enduring. Resulting in a crown that ultimately I'm just simply going to put at the feet of Jesus. You talk about love at first sight. I just want to get to the wedding. I I think about that time when I'm going to go home to be with the Lord and not in a morbid sense. Because I've gotten older, I've started thinking, man, one day I'm going to actually talk to Jesus. I can't wait. I think one of the things that happens as we age is we look at life very differently. We begin to think about things from a very much narrowed perspective about what really matters. Friends, family. You know, you, 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 start, you start looking at houses like, man, I, I, couldn't, I would rather live in a tent. I don't have to paint a tent. I don't have to maintain it. You know, you start thinking about your life as being a vapor. It's like, it's going to be over pretty soon. Who cares? And it's not morbid. It's like, I'm ready to go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Roll it up. If you're done using me, it's time to go. But he's not yet. But as you think about this, the Holy Spirit's working. There's that time coming. We know what's happening. I know it's getting closer and closer and closer. I, I expect the king, one of these days, he's going to bring in a whole bunch of camels and we're going to hop on, we're going to head to heaven. It's when we're coming back, we're on horses, ladies. So it's just take the journey there, you can come back on a white steed. But that's our future, and it's exciting. Can you imagine what Rebecca was thinking as she's taking this journey, as she gets closer and closer? I don't know how many of you, 
have had your kids sitting in the backseat of your car when you're taking a road trip and they say, are we there yet? (laughs) And we usually as parents say things like this, it's just over the next hill. Two more towns. When we get fuel, you know, we start giving them little milestones to think about. It's like, well, here, have another bag of Funyuns. You know, as you finish those things, you always get road food, right? Stuff you'd never eat at home. It's like, we've got one more bag of Funyuns. We're not there yet. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we crest over that last hill and we realize the only thing left is meeting the bridegroom? It's going to be an exciting day. It's like we're almost there. I don't know how many of you have been, you know, and driven into Yosemite Valley on a beautiful, clear day, and you you go through the tunnel, and you come out, and you're round, and there's that turnout, the first view of the whole valley, and you're just like, you're stunned. I don't know how much more beautiful heaven's going to be than Yosemite Valley, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be extremely more beautiful. And you're going to take that journey and, you know, driving up the Central Valley on the 5 or the 99 and taking the 49 and going the back way, there's some of that just like, okay, that's a cow. That's a horse. That's a guy with no teeth. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's like you always got the kind of the strange people that hang out on the side of the road right before you get to every national park. I used to be one of those people. I was a backpacker. You never want to pick those people up. I was one of them. I can tell you we haven't bathed in weeks. When you're hiking in the high Sierras, it just happens. But all of a sudden you get to that place. Like, man, we're there. One day you're going to have that with King Jesus. It's going to be amazing. And here it is, Isaac's similitude, if you will, the Christ-likeness of the story. Isaac was promised long before his coming. Amen? Jesus was promised long before his coming. Look at these paths. You can look them up later. Remember, you can download these online. They're free. We put all this stuff up there so you can just download. You can take pictures if you want. Isaac finally appeared at the appointed time. Amen? The exact time. We looked at that today. My hour has come, Jesus said. Isaac was conceived and born miraculously. Gee, who was that like? He was assigned an appropriate name by God before his birth. In Jesus' case, he would be Emmanuel. Amen? In Isaac's case, his name would be Laughter. He's offered up in sacrifice by his own father. Hmm. I think that's what happened to Jesus, amen? He was himself obedient unto death. Isaac could have taken Abraham, amen? Abraham's an old dude. Isaac is a young teenager, not a problem. But Isaac was obedient unto death. He says, if this is what it takes, this is what I'll do. 
Isaac was brought back from the dead to be the head of a great nation. Isaac was all but gone. It was an angel of the Lord that stayed the hand, right? It's miraculous. And Jesus was brought back from the grave by the power of God. And so to end all of this, we'll wrap it up and Pastor Alex is going to come out. This was a love at first sight story. She asked the servant. All she had to do was confirm that she was in and she fell off her camel. She was smitten. Just as we were smitten by King Jesus when the gospel was presented. Amen? So really what it boils down to, there's a glorious meeting that's coming. Are you ready to meet him? And that's a choice you'll need to make. And if you haven't made it tonight after we get done with Ask the Pastor, we're going to give you an opportunity to make that decision because you have to choose. Just as Rebecca chose Isaac, just as the servant presented the message, so I, the servant, present the message to you tonight. If you want to be saved, you have to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Beautiful love story and a beautiful picture of our salvation, which is rich and free. Amen. Father, thank you for the time in your word. And we pray now as we endeavor to answer a few questions that your people have. God, would you bless our time? Would you strengthen us, help us to hear and know and understand what is your good and perfect will? Thank you, God, for this amazing picture, the life of Isaac and Rebekah. And how from them will come the lineage of the Lord Jesus, our Savior, our King, and our Bridegroom who's coming. In Jesus' name, amen.